0: so it's lovely to have you, Victor, as always, and we'll just hand over to you now. Well, Brian, thank you very much, and good evening, everyone. Just a a joy always to come to St. Field Baptist Church and sense the warmth of your fellowship and the welcome here amongst you, and I thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, Maybe you've turned out tonight because you can't be here on Sunday with being Easter Sunday, I'm not sure what, but uh, um, look forward to these days together. Our Bible reading this evening is taken from Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, and we're reading at verse 36. It's interesting in the life of our Lord that Jerusalem was always in view. The Bible reminds us that he said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the priests. The Bible reminds us in the book of Luke that he set his face as a flint, to go to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is first mentioned in the book of Joshua. It was uh, kind of said sanctified and blessed with the building of Solomon's temple and uh, but it was there. our blessed Lord came to Jerusalem as a baby, uh, visited Jerusalem as a boy, served in Jerusalem as a servant, was crucified in Jerusalem. And again, the Bible reminds us that he rose again, left the tomb empty, and from Jerusalem he ascended into heaven. And guess to where he's coming again. The Bible reminds us that his feet will touch on the Mount of Olives. He is the King of Salem. However, let us go to uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus cometh with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not wash with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into, the, into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed sorry, prayed the third time. I'm taking that over the page. And prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, and the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold them fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus, and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him, and behold, one of them which were with Jesus dressed out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into, thy, into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? In that same hour, Jesus said Jesus to the uh, multitudes, Are you come out as against a thief, with swords and staves, for to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you led no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. May the Lord bless to us the reading of his sacred word. Just prior to the beginning of our reading this evening, we read that they come to the end of the Passover feast. And coming to the end of the Passover feast, it says they sang a hymn and went out onto the Mount of Olives. And our reading this evening took place, uh, rather uh, centered on, focused on, the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane. I think it is very telling that before they went to Gethsemane, they sang a hymn of the Passover. And the hymns of the Passover are known as the Songs of Hallel, That is Psalm 113 through to Psalm 118. Psalm 113 begins with the words, From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. However, when you put Psalm 118 into the context of what we've been reading here this evening, it really does sharpen our attention. The closing of the psalm says, The stone which the builders rejected The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. The day for our blessed Lord was the day of suffering, the day of agony. We've read a little bit about it. As a matter of fact, as we come this evening, we feel we're on that hallowed ground with our blessed Saviour, as he pours out his heart in sorrow before the Father, and yet in surrender to the will of the Father. This is our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. It is very interesting that in the book of Matthew, chapter 26 and verse 20, if you look at it, verse 20, it uh, says this word, Now when even was come, he sat down with the twelve. That was the Passover supper. If you go to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57, you will find that you read again these words. When even was come. When even was come, in verse 57, it is about the rich man of Arimathea taking the body of our Lord from the tree. It is very interesting, from evening to evening was that very day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Those 15, maybe 24 hours, sum up for us what we call it this week, the passion of our Lord. The passion of our Lord and the sufferings of Christ and going to Calvary's cross is not just a part of our Christian doctrine. It is the very heart of of our Christian doctrine. Without Calvary, there'd be no salvation. Without the resurrection, there'd be no hope. But thank God we have a Savior who came to bear our sin, bore our sin on his body on the tree, paying the debt of our guilt and sin. And then entered into death and destroyed death and rose triumphant and the tomb is empty. Did you... Read the quote of the Pope this week he said he was in three day he was in hospital for three days, but thank God he got out again. Reminded me of our Savior. He was in the tomb for three days. He came out again. And because he came out again, we're here. He ever lives to make intercession for us. This is our blessed Lord. Having pointed out that was from one evening as Matthew points out. Uh, that evening, the evening of Passover. And then the following evening was the end of the resurrection, or the end of the suffering of our blessed Lord. They took his body from the tree. It's interesting if you go to John's Gospel, chapter 18. John's Gospel, chapter 18. Matthew, as it were, focuses on the day, the hour. But in Matthew 18, you will find that John, in his writings, focuses on the garden. Verse 1 of chapter 18, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples. That is, from the Passover room, across the book said, Ron, where there was a garden into which he entered and his disciples If you go again to John's Gospel, chapter 19, and verse 41. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, the new sepulcher, wherein was never man-laid. I say again from one evening to another, it's the passion of our Lord. And here John puts the context of the Passion, the sufferings of our Lord, between two gardens. The Garden of Gethsemane and the Garden of the Resurrection. He's saying that this evening because I felt coming to this time tonight, not so much for a Bible study, but in recognition of this week that we... Symbolically, as it were, remove the sandals from our feet and bow our heads and remember the passion of our blessed Lord Jesus. The hymn writer wrote to Calvary, Lord, in spirit now Our grateful souls repair to dwell upon thy dying love and taste its sweetness there. Our longing eyes would vain behold that bright and blessed brow once wrung with bitterest anguish we the crown of glory now. This is our Lord. For those 15 hours, I would like to just hang our thoughts on 15 words. I'm not going to preach a 15-point sermon, but 15 words that we take in the passion of our Lord. And I think it must begin with the sweating in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was a garden, and the word Gethsemane just simply means the oil press, the place where the olives were, were crushed, crushed under tremendous weight and provided oil. My friend, how symbolic that was That our Lord Jesus Christ. He entered the garden with that sense of burden upon his heart. As a matter of fact, he said that he was sorrowful unto death. And there in the garden of Gethsemane, our blessed Lord Jesus was crushed, as it were. In the book of Hebrews, it reminds us that he was so sorrowful that he, he, he wished for death, He 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 called for death. When I think of Gethsemane, I say to myself, look at him. Look at him in his posture, bowed before the Father. Look at him in the pressure that was upon him, because the Bible reminds us he was not only sorrowful, he was exceedingly sorrowful. So much so that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And medical people tell us that so intense can be the pressure upon a person that when it gets to its zenith, it pushes the very blood through the corpuscles and mingles with sweat down as It indicates to us the burden that was on our blessed Lord. And Why? Because of sin. He'd never known sin. he had never known what it was to taste death. He, he never knew what it was to be separate from his father. he had never been stained by sin. But here is our blessed Lord Jesus, as it were, those great drops of blood. Look at him. The intensity of the burden of our sin upon him made him drop to his knees and tears filled his eyes and the burden upon his heart. And he's sweating. And why? Because he loved us. I say to you, come to Gethsemane this evening. And the darkness of that night, perhaps cool was the air, but the sweat was intense upon our Lord. And not only look at him, listen to him. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was the cup? It was a cup, my friend, of suffering. The cup of the will of the Father. There was no other way but by Calvary. And our blessed Lord, having set his face as a flint towards Calvary, here he is at the very threshold of those hours of suffering, And he doesn't refuse. He drank the cup. The cup that he drank was the cup of judgment. The judgment should have been ours. The curse should have been ours. But our blessed Lord Jesus, in that garden of Gethsemane, you can hear his voice. Listen to him. Look at him. And then look at us. Look at ourselves. I said I didn't want to to uh, dwell on all of these 15 words, but the first word is the word sweaty. Think, my friend, of the silver. Because in the context of our reading this evening, we read that Judas had sold our Lord for 30 pieces of silver while our Lord Jesus had gone with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Judas had left the table and had withdrawn and went to bargain with the Pharisees and the chief rabbis. And he bargained with them for the price of 30 pieces of silver, which they tell us was the price of a crippled slave. A low estimate he put on Christ. Remember, just hours before this, he had been in the house of Simon the leper and, while Mary had broken her alabaster box, she gave all that she had. She so valued our Lord, she was giving it her life. It was Judas who complained and said, this could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. But she put a value in Christ that Judas knew nothing about. I say that this evening in our lives, how highly do we prize our Savior. When I think of Judas with the silver, counting out those 30 pieces of silver, he opened the door of his heart and let Satan come in and made him to become a tool so that the priest bartered and bribed Judas to sell out his blessed Lord Jesus. To the Father, Jesus was elect and precious. But to Judas, he was bottom bargain. And sold out the Savior. The Bible reminds us, when I read here of the silver, that that night there came a great company of soldiers. The Bible reminds us that there were up to 600, a cohort, not of Caiaphas guards, but of a, a of a Roman legion. These legionnaires, they come to the garden. And the Bible says they had come with staves and stairs and, and sticks, 600 men came with arms to capture Christ. And yet he was the Prince of Peace. They came in the hours of darkness with a lantern to take away him who was the light of the world. 30 pieces of silver. From the garden he was conducted to the house house of Caiaphas and the Bible reminds us in the house of Caiaphas, chapter 26 and verse 67 of Matthew, then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Do you know something? As those soldiers sucked our Lord Jesus and slapped our Lord Jesus and spat upon the Lord Jesus, they didn't know that they were fulfilling the scriptures. The Bible reminds us over there in the book of Micah, they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon his cheek. My friend, can't you see our blessed Lord standing there silently? The Bible reminds us in the book of Isaiah that he was despised and rejected of men. I can almost hear the soldiers as they mock him and shouted at him and, and, and strike him. You know, Peter, Peter was there looking at this. And later, Peter wrote these words, When he was reviled, he reviled not again. As a matter of fact, just before this, when his disciples protested, Jesus said, Know you not that I could have called twelve legions of angels? In a legion there are six thousand. 72,000 angels were ready to defend our Lord. But when he was reviled, he reviled not again. They smote him. I ask you to think of the scourging. The scourging was a terrible thing. When he had been delivered up to Pilate, and Pilate had interviewed him and declared that he had done nothing worthy of death. But to try to appease his conscience and alleviate the situation, he delivered Jesus to be scourged. What was scourging? They would take the victim out and strip the, the clothing, the raiment from off the upper part of the body. His hands would be tied to a, a pillar of stone, and there he would be bent over. A Roman lictor would take a whip, the whip, leather straps laced with fine bone. And as he took that whip, you could hear the crack of the whip as it tore into the back of our Lord Jesus and smashed into the sinews and drew the bones across the back of our Lord Jesus. Until what the prophet Isaiah said, his back was like a furrowed field. Not with one strike, but 39 times they scorched and tore the back of our blessed Lord Jesus. And yet the Bible tells us he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before his shears was dumb, he never opened his mouth. Isn't it amazing the silence of Christ in all of the suffering? When we think of that 39 lashes from the Roman lictor, listen to what it says in Psalm 129, verse 3. The plowers ploughed upon my back. They made long furrows. And elsewhere he said, I give my back to the smiter. Not that they took him. He gave his back to the smiter. I stand in awe. And then the Bible tells us more when it says these words, And they stripped his garments from him and dressed him in purple. If you've been to Jerusalem, you will go to the pavement. And there at the pavement, you can see in the in the hard stones the games that they played, and one was known as the game of the king. Remember, the Lord Jesus had spoken a lot about the kingdom. As a matter of fact, as we will see in a moment, the superscription put upon him was this allegation, Jesus Christ, king of the Jews, king. So they played the game with him. They took a purple robe to cover him, as if it was royalty. They didn't know that when the golden altar was carried uh, during the time it had been in exile and carried back to, to Israel, it was covered over with a purple robe. Isn't that amazing? They, they, they took our blessed Lord and they covered him with the purple robe. They put upon him the, the crown of thorns. And then they took the reeds and they they beat the thorns into the head of our blessed Lord. They plucked the hair from off his face. And Jesus, standing there amongst them, was silent. Think of the spitting. I think there is nothing more humiliating, nothing more degrading and for people to spit upon another one. But remember this, this was not one man to a man or a woman to a woman. or They spat on him, who is Jesus. They spat on him, they spat into his lovely face and the spittle was the foulest insult they could give to man. Animals spit at each other. Could it be? Could it be that when they put the crown of thorns upon him and put the purple robe upon him and plucked the hair from off his face and and beat into him, they were proclaiming him king, but there was no anointing oil? You've got to anoint the king. But this time to anoint them, they emptied their throats and they spat upon our blessed Lord Jesus. The passion of our Lord. When I think of the passion of our Lord, I think of the sentence that was given. It was a mock trial of our blessed Lord Jesus. There was no, no reason why he should be crucified. Pilate could find no fault in him, and Pilate's wife, she tried to, she had dreamt that she'd, he had washed his hands. Pilate, well, the wife had said, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? for he has done nothing amiss, but Pilate tried to wash his hands away from the guilt, and the Bible tells us he said, take him and crucify him. My friend, can I say that Jesus Christ was the only person amongst all of that crowd who was not worthy of death? Yet he's the one who was sentenced. I say that this evening because we are here as believers, remembering the words of Romans 8 and verse 1, there is no condemnation now to those who are in Christ. No, no condemnation for us. Because he bore our condemnation. He took our sin. He took our place. And he was crucified for us. Pilate gave the sentence to appease the crowd. And Jesus Christ was crucified. The prince of life was put to death, and the fountain of all blessing, my friend, he bore the curse for us. I remember going to hear R.C. Sproul in the United States speak on those words in Galatians, Jesus was made a curse for us. And he asked the question, what is a curse? A curse is the opposite of blessing. Remember over there in Numbers chapter 6, the only blessing, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Make his face to shine upon thee. My friend, that was the blessing, the, the face of the Father shining upon his people. But at Calvary's cross, the curse that Jesus bore is that the Father turned his back on Christ. The crucifixion. When I think of the Saviour, the Bible reminds us that the crowds were there. Well, when we think of the crowds, we think of the soldiers. Legionnaires who'd been on many a campaign. Ruthless soldiers who were there to gamble for his clothing. What a shame. The, The riotous leaders spewing out their hypocrisy against Jesus Christ. He saved others. Let him save himself. My friend, it is interesting that Satan had told Jesus to serve himself. Turn these stones into bread. Serve yourself. Peter, remember when Jesus spoke of Calvary? Peter said, spare yourself. Not so, Lord. His family. His family came and said, show yourself. Show who you are. But the story of the passion of our blessed Lord was not to serve himself, but rather to give himself, to sacrifice himself, the passion of our Lord. When I say all that this evening, the the riotous crowd taunting the Saviour, two thieves who were rebellious, one rebellious, the other repentant, And they came to crucify our blessed Lord on the most shameful manner of death that had ever been invented. That was Jesus. Think of the superscription that was upon him. What did it say? A superscription was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Why is that significant? Significant because when a victim was nailed to the cross, his crimes were written above his head. And the crime of our blessed Lord is that he came as a king. Remember, he didn't become a king. He came as the king. He died as a king. And the Bible reminds us, Psalm 24, Open up ye gates of glory, for the King of glory shall come. Jesus is coming again, and Revelation chapter 19, verse 16 reminds us that when he comes written upon his thigh are these words King of kings and Lord of Lords. The superscription. Can I say something about the sponge? Remember they took a sponge and dipped it in vinegar and gall and offered it to Jesus. Of course, they were trying, as it were, when Jesus said, give me to drink, now they were offering something in his cries. But it's a terrible thing to say at this meeting this evening. Sponge is not natural to Israel. It's not natural to North Africa. It was always brought from Europe, brought by Roman soldiers. And Why did you use sponge? In their latrines. I say, it's a terrible thing to say, but there was no toilet paper in those days. They just passed the sponge one to another. And every soldier carried a piece of sponge, and here they are dipping that sponge and giving it to our Lord. Can you ever think of a fouler insult to our Lord? Think of the spear. In the hours of that darkness, our blessed Lord Jesus, on the cross as he prayed and supplicated for those who were crucifying him, for John and Mary who would care for him as he cried to the Father, the Bible reminds us that a Roman soldier came and shunted a spear into his side. And out gushed blood and water, indicating the death of our blessed Lord with a broken heart. Before this they had cried, It is finished, to less the the die. Uh, it is finished, paid in full. Our Lord had declared the debt had been paid. I don't want to multiply my more words this evening, but near to Skull Hill, near to Golgotha, was a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea they took the body of our blessed Lord and they led him in the tomb not only so but they put a stone over the tomb and they sealed the tomb no one could get in and no one could get out so they thought but thank God today if you go to Jerusalem you read these words on the door he is not here for he is risen some people said that when the women went on that Easter Sunday morning looking for the Lord, they they'd gone to the wrong tomb. That's why the tomb was empty. Listen, a woman could make a mistake, but the angels didn't make a mistake. They were in the right tomb. And it was there that the women met the angels. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is risen. And thank God, our blessed Lord Jesus, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. I say again, I didn't come this evening to do a Bible study. I came to meditate with you upon the passion of our Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. Between two gardens, from one evening to another, Jesus suffered all of this. And yet, while we look on all of that suffering with a sense of anguish and and a sense of shame, remember this, our blessed Lord Jesus wasn't looking at the suffering. It says, as we read earlier, he set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem. This was the purpose for which he came. But you know something, he wasn't looking at the cross, he was looking beyond the cross. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and today is set down on the right hand of glory. That is our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Now desolate, but in his return he will come in power and glory. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and the King of glory shall come in. I finished with the hymn that we began with. Our longing eyes would fain behold that bright and blessed brow, once wrung with bitterest anguish, were the crown of glory now. O Saviour, linger not, but come, responsive to our call, come. Claim thy, claim thy kingly power and reign the Heir and Lord of all. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, this evening we bow with holy reverence before you. We stand with the Apostle Paul who said, Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Bless us each one this evening and help us to live out our lives. In that sense, of not only gratitude, but indebtedness to the Lord Jesus who gave all for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brian.